this morning. We're going to be reading Judges chapter 2, verses 10 through 18, and we're going to be reading in the ESV. We encourage you to find the scripture uh, if you have a Bible app or Bible. We will project it up here, but I, I think it's actually good for us to physically have a Bible or something so that we can track along. Um, at least for me, that, that's something that, that I think kind of helps me to focus a little bit more, gets me involved. And so, again, it's Judges chapter 2, verses 10 through 18, and we'll be reading this in the ESV. May the Lord bless the reading of God's word for us. And all that generation also were gathered to their fathers, and there arose another generation after them who did not know the Lord or the work that he had done for Israel. And the people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord and served the Baals. And they abandoned the Lord, the God of their fathers, who had brought them out of the land of Egypt. They went after other gods from among the gods of the peoples who were around them and bowed down to them. And they provoked the Lord to anger. They abandoned the Lord and served the Baals and the Ashtaroth. So the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel. And he gave them over to plunderers who plundered them. And he sold them into the hands of their surrounding enemies so that they could no longer withstand their enemies. Whenever they marched out, the hand of the Lord was against them for harm, as the Lord had warned and as the Lord had sworn to them. And they were in terrible distress. Then the Lord raised up judges who saved them out of the hands of those who plundered them. Yet they did not listen to their judges, for they whored after other gods and bowed down to them. They soon turned aside from the way in which their fathers had walked, who had obeyed the commandments of the Lord, and they did not do so. Whenever the Lord raised up judges for them, the Lord was with the judge, and he saved them from the hand of their enemies all the days of the judge, for the Lord was moved to pity by their groaning because of those who afflicted and oppressed them. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Well, friends, we are continuing in our sermon series uh, where we're trying to build a firm foundation for faith. We've been reading uh, through the Bible, especially we've been going through the Old Testament, pretty much uh, just from the beginning and uh, kind of hidden some of the major stories um, so that we can see themes, and, and, uh, themes that emerge, uh, because obviously we are New Covenant people uh, for, for the, those who consider themselves followers of Christ. I mean, that's kind of our end goal, right? Our end goal is Christ in the way that Christ has fulfilled Scripture. Uh, but we want to kind of understand, how do we look at some of these stories, uh, the stories from our past in the, uh, the, 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 in the Old Testament, and how do we apply those today? You know, what do we make of those things? And so today, um, yeah, we're, we're, we're going through this story where it seems like the people have forgotten you know, for me, I, I relate to these stories a lot because I'm a pretty forgetful person. I don't know about you, but, uh, you know, there are many times where, um, man, I, I just, I, I always kind of joke around that uh, I always forget what people do. <laughs> you know, I, I forget how much money I make. Uh, I, I forget so many things. And, and so if you ever have ever told me if you're in college, uh, your major, if you ever told me uh, what you do for a job, I might have to ask you like 10 or 15 times. And I still might forget. You know, there's so many times where, like, I'll just kind of, like, set down my phone for a second, like, when I'm, like, you know, going through the closet. I do this a lot on Sunday morning. Um, we, we have this, this uh, uh, dresser drawer that's in our uh, closet. And, um, you know, I just kind of set it there, and, and I'll, like, look for a dress shirt or something. And I'm like, where's my phone? Where's my phone? And I'll, like, it'll be, like, 10, 15 minutes for me to find my phone. Do you ever feel like this? Do you ever feel like you just kind of forget stuff? 
you know? And, and maybe it, it might seem like little things, but when it comes to the things of God, it does feel like sometimes we're forgetful. You know, maybe we may not forget the actual content of stuff. You, you know, you remember the general concepts that, that, you know, Jesus has died for you, that God is powerful, that God loves you, that God is with you, right? It's one of the things that we always talk about, right? That we're always reminding people, God is with you. But I think for a lot of us, we forget that at least we forget the actual knowledge of that. And, and that's something that we're going to be talking about today. It's not just head knowledge, right? Because a lot of us, we have that, you know? It, oftentimes, actually, that's one of the reasons why I think a lot of people are like, ah, I don't need church. I don't need to read the Bible. I already know everything. I already know that God loves me. But there's a difference between knowing it here and knowing it everywhere, right? Knowing that God is with you and knowing that God is with you. You feel me, right? Knowing in the sense of when you walk into a situation, and, and, and there might be every reason to be afraid, right? At least from a worldly sense, right? There's a threat. That there's something that's very uncertain. And so for most people, you would be afraid. But if you knew God was with you, if you really knew it in your bones, then you wouldn't be afraid. I talk about this from time to time, that throughout the history of Christianity, there were people who faced persecution. They faced certain death. And they had this kind of like affect where they're like, okay, bring it on. There are stories of people that, um, you know, I, I heard stories about people coming to America. And, and uh, there's this one story of John Wesley when he was coming to America. And there was this group of, of German immigrants, these Moravians, who are in the hull of this ship. And, and the ship, I mean, it, it's like a serious storm. It looks like it's going to capsize or, or they're going to sink. Right? And John Wesley, who's this Anglican priest, is like, he's like shaking and, and he's so afraid. And he looks over in the corner and there's these, these, uh, German immigrants, these Moravians. I mean, it's like women and children and, you know, and, and there's, they're singing hymns. And he looks at their face and, and they just have this peace. It makes you think about Jesus. When the, when he was in the, the, the fishing boat with, with the disciples and there's that great storm that arises. And, and, and the disciples are freaking out. And they're like, ah, ah, Jesus, Jesus, don't you care that we're going to die? And Jesus is sleeping. He's sleeping. What is the difference? Do you think the disciples know God? Do you think John Wesley knew God? There's a difference between knowing here and knowing everywhere, right? The kind of uh, uh, knowing of, of Jesus, that Jesus knew God, the Father, in a way that was different than the disciples, right? And that knowledge makes all the difference in the world. And so, friends, you know, we're going to read this story, and, and I want you to read through this lens. The people seem to have forgotten. And it's kind of incredible what happens, but I want you to understand that it's not that incredible when you think about ourselves, how forgetful we are, and the difference between knowing here and knowing everywhere. So let's just take a look. Let's dive in. So this is verse 10. And uh, this is kind of mid-thought. So what came right before this is we're told that Joshua has died. Joshua is the leader of the Israelites after Moses. He was appointed by Moses, and he leads the people into the promised land. And so the book of Joshua is all about this mostly successful campaign in the promised land. And, um, you know, they're going through and they're having lots of victories. But then in Judges, we're told Joshua dies. 
And right after that, it says, And all that generation also were gathered to their fathers. And there arose another generation after them who did not know the Lord or the work that he had done for Israel. So what has happened is that the generation that came out of Egypt, right, all of them are pretty much, they've pretty much passed away, right? It, it, some time has passed. They got old, right? And so now this new generation comes up, and it's weird because it says they did not know the Lord or the work that he had done for Israel. How could you not know? I mean, you know, one of the things that, that was instituted very early on was uh, there, there were rituals that the people would do so that they would not forget. They would do things to remember the Passover, to remember how God delivered them out of Egypt. And don't you think that their parents just, just would never, I mean, just like, I mean, if I saw the things that the people of Israel did, uh, that, that they saw, the things that God did for them in Egypt, the miracles and the ways that they delivered, that God delivered them from Pharaoh, right? The parting of the Red Sea and all the miracles, all the plagues and all that stuff. Man, I would never shut up about it, <laughs> right? Can't you imagine, like, you know, hey, Steve Jr., come here. Let me tell you the story about how we were in Egypt. And like, yeah, Dad, I heard. Yeah, but, but I don't think you understand. It was pretty crazy. And it, like just telling the same story again and again and again. Man, you know, when something just like ordinary happens to me, man, I tell the same story again and again and again. Can you imagine seeing a miracle, right, firsthand? So it's not like they haven't heard, but they've forgotten. That's what it says. They did not know the Lord or the work that he had done for Israel. They heard the word, they heard the work, but they did not know the work, right? There's a difference, right? Now, I don't, I don't want to get too, too into it, but people used to talk about, like, the idea of, like, knowing someone in the biblical sense. You know what that means? It's, it's an intimacy, right? A physical intimacy, and this idea of knowing the Lord, oftentimes it'll talk about God like our spouse, right? And, and God will talk about like, you know, I am the husband in Israel. It's like my wife, right? That we are the bride of Christ, right? It's intimate, this knowing. It's not just up here, right? But there's something deeper that God is desiring to do. And there's something that is missing in this new generation. They've forgotten Right? So it says, And the people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord and served the Baals. And they abandoned the Lord, the God of their fathers, who had brought them out of the land of Egypt. They went after other gods from among the gods of the peoples who were around them and bowed down to them. And they provoked the Lord to anger. They abandoned the Lord and served the Baals and the Ashtoreth. Now, you might be thinking, okay, so maybe they forgot the stories of what God did for them, but it's like literally just right up there in the Ten Commandments, isn't it? You shall not serve other gods. It's like one, two, right? You will have no other gods before me. You will not make a graven image of anything, uh, you know, on earth and bow down to it. And this is exactly what they're doing. What is going on? Now, you got to keep in mind, they're in this, this, this promised land, but it is a hostile place. There's a lot of threats, and they just lost Joshua, their leader. And maybe for the people who are now one generation removed from seeing the miracles of God, 
They're in this new reality that's so dangerous, that's so uncertain, and they want something certain. They hear the story about God and how God delivered them, but it's not concrete for them. They don't know it. They don't know it. They don't know it the way that Joshua knew it. They don't, they don't know it the way that Moses knew it. It's just up here. And so then they see all these other people, and they're worshiping a, a, a graven image, you know, an Ashtoreth pole. They, they, they have something concrete that they can touch and say, I'm relying on this. And I wonder the people, as they're wandering in this hostile place, they're facing this uncertain future, and they're like, I want something concrete. So I'm going to make one of those too. I'm going to worship those too. And in that sense, maybe it does make more sense. And maybe for us today, it's not so much that we create like an idol, but there are concrete things that we can touch. Right? There's money to be made. There's positions that we chase. There are things that we look at and we're like, this concrete thing will give me stability. This will be the thing that I build my safety on because I feel afraid. And, and I don't know how I can trust an invisible God. It's just a story to me. It's not a concrete reality, right? And there are so many people who, you know, we are Christ believers, but it's mostly up here. And maybe there are days where we do believe, but it goes very quickly. So we're going to continue in the story. And we find that what happens is that the, the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel because they kept chasing after these other gods. I mean, it's like, hey, A number one, I keep telling you not to chase after these other gods, not to worship these graven images, and they keep doing it. And so he gave them over to plunderers who plundered them, and he sold them into the hand of their surrounding enemies so that they could no longer withstand their enemies. They've lost the blessing of God, and now they're getting overrun. They used to have all those victories in Joshua. They're not having as many victories anymore. So that they could no longer withstand their enemies, whenever they marched out, the hand of the Lord was against them for harm, as the Lord had warned, and as the Lord had sworn to them. He told them this, right? It may seem cruel, but God told them, hey, if you serve me, I'm going to be with you. If, you're, if you don't serve me, good luck, right? And this is what happens. And they were in terrible distress. And so then here we see that the Lord would raised up judges who saved them out of the hands of those who plundered them. Now, you might hear the word judge, and you're thinking like, like Judge Judy or something, someone with a, you know, Ruth Bader Ginsburg. <laughs> you're thinking like a long robe, right? You're thinking a gavel. You're thinking courtroom. It's not that kind of judge. Of course, they did make judgments as in a leader. Do you remember like with Moses, people would go and, and they would go before Moses if they had a dispute and he would, you know, he, he would make a decision. Uh, he would determine, you know, who was in the right, who was in the wrong, right? He would judge. And so in that sense, judges are leaders, but it's different than a king. They didn't have a king yet. We're going to get into that in the next few weeks. This is a very, very important concept because as you know, we, 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 we talk about Jesus, Jesus being the king of kings. We talk about the kingdom of God. So you've got to understand what is at stake when we talk about kings, but we're not there yet. So we got judges, right? They're, they're not kings, right? But they are meant to be the Lord's intermediary for the people, to help deliver them. And that's what happens. They're in trouble. And so they get a judge. The judge saves them through the power of God. And yet 
they did not listen to their judges, for they whored after other gods and bowed down to them. I mean, you know, Scripture is not mincing words here, right? Remember, we talk about that knowledge, that intimate knowledge. Well, they want that intimate knowledge with other gods, not with their, the one true God who saved them. And they bowed down to these gods, these false gods. They soon turned aside from the way in which their fathers had walked, who had obeyed the commandments of the Lord, and they did not do so. Whenever the Lord raised up judges for them, the Lord was with the judge, and he saved them from the hand of their enemies all the days of the judge. For the Lord was moved to pity by their groaning because of those who afflicted and oppressed them. So I want to spell this out for you because uh, we're not going to go into every story in the book of Judges, but I want you to see it is a repeating pattern what happens. And so it's something that, that I learned in, in seminary. We called it the, the Judges cycle. And the Judges cycle goes like this. That, that, you know, there's a period where Israel's serving the Lord. They believe in God, right? They're, they're you know, following the, the covenant. But then they fall into sin and idolatry, right? And they start going after the other gods, right? And it usually comes after this period of cut of peace. And so then Israel becomes enslaved or persecuted. And then Israel will cry out to the Lord. God will raise up a judge. Israel's delivered. Yay! They serve the Lord. And then they start getting complacent again. Right? And then the whole cycle starts over. Then they start serving the other gods again. And then they get persecuted again. And then they cry out to the Lord again. And then God will raise up a judge. And then God will deliver them again. And then they'll start serving the Lord again. And then they get complacent again. It just happens again and again and again and again. It's like that record just keeps playing. Right? You're like, oh my gosh. Israel, what is your deal? Wouldn't you learn? Wouldn't you learn the first time? But this is the thing. I know we can be kind of hard when we hear these stories. Or we can be kind of hard on the people back then. And we're like, dude, you guys are idiots. Right? Man, I wouldn't be this thick-headed. How many times? How many times? When we are in trouble, we get really, really prayerful. <laughs> we, get, we get really, really religious when there's like a big test coming. Right? There's something you really need. You know, you're going through a really hard time, and all of a sudden, you're like, Father, God, thank you. Would you be, please be with me? I'm not trying to make fun here, but I know that so much of my spirituality has been desperation spirituality, right? Just like the people of Israel. When you're in trouble, then you turn to God, and then you get delivered, right? You know, things get better as they do. And you're like, yay, God, thank you. I will never forget but what happens? We get complacent, don't we? Right? And then after a while, we just kind of fall away. We stop praying. We, we kind of lose that connection. You know? We're, we're, it's almost like implicitly we're like, God, I got this now. Okay, thank you for saving me, but I'm going to just keep on doing my own thing. Right? And I'm going to think the thoughts and I'm going to live the life as if you don't exist. That's what most of us do. I talk about this all the time, that I think we live in the secular world where we are practical atheists. What do I mean by that? You may say you believe in God, right? It's this head knowledge. But you live as if there is no God. And God is like, sort of like, you know, you think about like, like a, a fire extinguisher or fire alarm or, you know, I, I guess like there's some places where there would be like a little axe, like behind glass, I don't know what that was about. I think it's like if you get trapped in a place where there's wood doors, 
that, that, and, and there's like a fire that you would break that glass, you take out that little ax and hack down the door. I don't know. But it's like, in case of emergency, break glass. Otherwise, leave it alone. Don't be going around with an ax, right? And I wonder if our faith is this kind of in case of emergency faith, right? When we're in trouble, then we're like, God, help us, help us, help us, help us. We get really, really religious when we need help. But when everything is kind of calm and good, we're practical atheists again, right? And I think that's what's happening with the people of Israel. So I want to remind you, friends, that this is not the reality that I think God wants for us, right? And so it does seem in many ways that the, the answer is for us to obey God, right? Because if you look back at, uh, um, you know, it says that, that when the people go wrong, they soon turn aside from the way in which their fathers had walked, who had obeyed the commandments of the Lord, and they did not do so. So I want you to see that. So what happens is that the people, they don't know God. They don't know, know God, but they get desperate. So they're like, God, save us, God, save us. God saves them, and God's like, okay, I want you to walk in this way, right? Like your forefathers before you, right? Like your forefathers and foremothers, you know? They walked in a certain way. They lived a certain way. And they're like, yeah, I'm not going to do that. They walk their own way, right? And, and so then they go astray. That, that's kind of like literally what that means, right? You go astray, right? Uh, I, we used to sing this song, like, all we like sheep have gone astray, each of us going our own separate way. Right? And, and so there's this way that we're supposed to follow in the Lord, and we go away from that. I, I know it, it, it talks about these commandments, you know? And we've been talking about this. What do we make of this as New Testament people? You know, because some people might be saying, but Pastor Steve, this sounds like works righteousness. If we start just obeying the commands, then, you know, what did Jesus die for? Jesus already died. He, it's already finished. And that's true. That's true. But does it mean that we no longer walk in the way of God? That we just kind of do whatever we want? Because I think then the judges cycle will apply to us, right? Where you just keep forgetting. You keep living as if there is no God. And if you've ever been there, I have. I have. If you've ever been there, then you know. You know. Well, for one, you don't have the sense of God being with you. You don't have that peace. I'm not like Jesus or the, the Moravians in the, the, um, in the ship hold singing hymns and having complete confidence that God is with me. I'm the person freaking out, right? And I don't want that. Do you? What does it mean to have a firm foundation? What is that firm foundation? Because I think for many of us, our faith is so shaky. And we have made our faith so intellectual. We're just like, yeah, 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 I believe in God. But it's not the same as knowing God. So where we are going with all this, we, we read this a few weeks ago when we were talking about what does it mean for the law to be fulfilled, for it to be filled out. And we read this passage in Jeremiah, and I think it's important for us to go back here. Jeremiah 33, it says, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah, not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. My covenant that they broke, 
though I was their husband, declares the Lord. So there it is, right? God wanted to be their husband. He wanted them to know him, but, but they didn't. They disobeyed, right? But this new covenant, this better covenant, this fulfilled covenant, it says, this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them, and I will write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And no longer shall each, each one teach his neighbor and each his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me. From the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sin no more. There's so much there. But I want to point out this idea that the promise, the hope, the, 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 the way we are going in this covenant is that we can know the Lord. You don't have to do things to try to know the Lord. You will know the Lord. And once you know the Lord, you will continue to know the Lord. But we act as if God isn't there. We don't know the Lord in everyday life. And part of it is because we are not walking in the way of the Lord. Now, I want to be clear about this, that there is a great freedom that we have in Christ. It is not about following hundreds of commandments anymore. There are two great commands, right? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, all your strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself, as if your neighbor were you. Those are the two great commands, right? And so much of that is about relationship. How do we live in that relationship? That is what our faith is all about. I know we use this, this analogy all the time, but you know, what kind of marriage would you have? What kind of relationship would you, you have with your friend if you never talked to them? If you never hung out with them? If you never spent any time with them? But functionally, that's what a lot of Christians do nowadays, right? We're like, I believe in God, and maybe I go to church, and even nowadays, the church attendance is way down. And part of the reason is because we have made our faith so intellectual. We've made it just about beliefs, a belief system. Yeah, I believe in Jesus, I'm a Christian, right? But we are not walking in the way of the Lord. We don't even really know the Lord anymore. We, we don't really know the Bible anymore. We don't really um, spend time with God. We don't really like to spend time with God. And we're surprised when we act as if we don't know the Lord. It's almost like saying, like, oh, yeah, yeah, that person's my best friend. Okay, so what are they like? When's the last time you hung out with them? When's their birthday? And you don't know any of it. It's like, do you really know them? Are they really your best friend? But so many of us, were like, Jesus is my best friend. You know? But we don't spend any time with God. Again, this is not about legalism. But this is what the new covenant is about. Yes, we are freed from the legalism of saying, yeah, I got to follow a million laws to be able to say that I know the Lord. It's not about that. Just like any marriage is not about like, well, I checked all the boxes, right? I picked up the clothes off the floor and, and I washed out the sink after I brushed my teeth. And, and I, I, you know, it's not about that anymore. It's not a checklist, right? But there are definitely things that go into being married. Right? Things that you cannot ignore. You can't always quantify this. You can't make a legalistic thing. And if you try to make it a legalistic thing, you, you, you kind of lose the spirit of what that marriage is supposed to be. Right? And so I don't, I'm not advocating that we go up to Christians and we're like, hey, if you really know the Lord, then you'll do X, Y, Z. It's not what it's about. But it's about a heart check question. If you're not spending any time with God, if you're not walking in the way of the Lord, but you're kind of going off doing your own thing, 
then are we surprised when we struggle and we live our lives as if there is no God when the trouble comes? There's always going to be trouble that comes. Trouble is a clarifying thing. It is for the people of Israel. They probably were like, yeah, we're good now. God, thank you. Judges, thank you. Yeah, yeah, good looking out. And they're like, we're good now. We're good. And they think they're good until persecution hits. And persecution will always come. Okay, maybe not like straight out persecution, like you're going to get enslaved, you know, like the people of Israel. But there's always troubles. There's always difficulties, right? And when those things come, you will find out. You will find out. I mean, I'm, I'm not trying to make a threat. It's just, it's just the reality. You will find out what your real knowledge of God is. Is it just up here? Or do you know? Do you know in your bones? Do you know in your nervous system? Do you know in everything that God is there with you? So, friends, how do we get back here? How do we get to know the Lord? Well, I want to share with you something that's like really unsexy. And, and it's just so, it's so obvious that we don't talk about it a lot. But I, I just want to say that if you want to know the Lord, I would spend time with God every day. Every day. In prayer, you know, reading the Bible. Again, I know, like, like we just, we, 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 we bristle against that. We're like, Pastor Steve, you're being legalistic. Pastor Steve, it's works righteous. It's not about that. It's just about getting to know the Lord, right? I mean, I can't go days without talking to my wife and know what's going on with her, right? And knowing who she is. Be like, don't be so legalistic about my marriage. <laughs> You're just going to lose touch. You're going to forget. We shouldn't be surprised. You know, we, we don't pray and we don't read the Bible. And again, it's not to make you feel guilty. But it's one of these things where, I mean, it's just a reality, right? How do we get to know the Lord? And, and I do believe that when you get to know the Lord more, it is enjoyable. It shouldn't be this great trial. But for some of us, it is right now. And so some of it is learning the rhythm of being able to spend time with God every day. Some of us, we're, we're, we just, it's not a morality test. It's just about how do we get to know the Lord, right? And if we're not spending any time with God, I, I'm just saying, you know, it, it's just evident. I, I think if you just think about it for two seconds, you're not going to know the Lord, right? Okay, maybe like every once in a while, just like, you know, people will go on a trip or something, or, you know, maybe you lose connection with your spouse for a day or two. But that's the exception and not the rule. You know, so for me, uh, one of the things that has happened in my life, I don't share this out of pride. I share this out of my weakness. That in the past few years, I have become utterly convinced that I cannot go a day without prayer. <laughs> I'm just not that good. I have anger issues. I have anxiety issues. I have all these things that are just within me. I've learned from this culture. This culture lives as if there's no God, and I start to believe that there is no God in some way, in the way that I react to this world, when I'm not in connection with God. It's just what happens to me. And, and, and it, 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 excuse my French, but it sucks. I don't like yelling at my kids or getting all anxious when I'm in line at Meyer and the line's not moving fast enough for me, and I just, you know, completely melt down about that. 
or because someone cut me on, off in traffic and it ruins my week. I don't want to live that way, right? And when I'm living in connection with Christ every day, it changes. It doesn't change, like, it's not magic, right? It's not a magic pill. But the more you get to know God, the more confident you become, you know, that you need God and that God is there with you and so that you don't need to worry. Recently, I found myself, you know, I used the example at Meyer, but uh, this past Monday, I was at Meyer and it was like something really dumb. Like, uh, so, dude, seriously, like going to Meyer is, is, it's, it's, it's an exercise in, in, like, like, it's a testing of my faith every time I go to Meyer, every time I go to the grocery store. I don't know what it is. The Meyer that I'm at, they're like renovating it, and so I don't know where anything is anymore. They made the aisles like, like mad tiny. And, you know, during a pandemic, it's like, excuse me, excuse me, like, I'm trying not to cough on you, you know. It's, it's, ah, it's just not great. And, and, and I go there, and there's, like, always, like, it doesn't matter, like, the time of day, I feel like. There could be, like, 50 people needing to check out, and they'll only have two, two uh, like, cashiers, like, any time of the day. And so I'm there, you know, there's only two lanes available, and I'm, like, trying to pick between the two lanes. And I end up picking the wrong lane because the person who came after me was done, like, 10 minutes before me. You know, because they chose the other lane. And I'm sitting there, and I'm just like, ah, that always, like, annoys me, man. I, I, I just, you know, but I'm like, okay, okay, it's not that big a deal. It's not that big a deal. And then this person comes and literally has been in line for about 20 seconds. And they open another lane, and they take that guy. And I'm like, I've been here for, like, 20 minutes, right? This guy's 20 seconds. You know, and it's like, dude, I, I, like, I was like driving like a crazy person out of the Meyer parking lot. You know what changed for me? Because I, I have all these stories about road rage, and you don't hear the, them as much <laughs> because I've been praying every day. I mean, you know, I, again, it's not legalism. It's just my knowledge of God and that, that being able to live in that has changed for me, right? But you know what's changed? It's this. It's really simple. Over the past month or two, just like, like something will happen in the morning. Like, like, I don't know what it is. It's something different every week. But at least once a week for the past month or so, I'll have something in the morning. I'll be like, oh, I don't have time to pray right now. And I'll be like, I'll do it in the afternoon. And then it, by the time it's like late at night, I'm about to go to bed. I'm like, oh, shoot, I didn't pray today. Well, let's not be a legalist. I'll do it tomorrow, right? And this has been happening about once a week for the past month. That's it. That's it. Again, I told you, it's not sexy. I've, I've just been forgetting to pray one day out of the week. One day. That's it. <laughs> Friends, I, I'm, I'm just saying, right? I know God doesn't love me any less. Jesus still died for my sins. I am still forgiven. I'm still a child of God. I just have anger issues. You feel me? I just have these moments where I seem to forget the grace of God that I just live in when I'm in closer connection with God. I'm forgetful, and so are all of us. I want to encourage you. If you do not have a regular habit of prayer or a regular way of just being in the Word of God, what I recommend for a lot of people, you know, if reading the God is uh, reading the God, reading the Word of God is not your habit yet, just listen to a praise song every day, you know, a biblically based praise praise song. 
that reminds you of the grace of God, right? Yes, Jesus has died for us. He has done all of this so that we do not need to be so legalistic. But I forget that. I forget that. I forget that good news. So, you know, for the people of Israel, I think one of the things that happened was because some time had passed, right? A few generations had passed. And the stories, you know, maybe they didn't hear the stories as often. You know, the connection to the story wasn't as strong. And that's happened for a lot of us. You know, maybe you heard the story of the gospel and you think you know it. I bet if you ask the people of Israel, those same ones who are worshiping the Baals, I bet you they know the stories. But the reality of it, the application of grace that comes from hearing the story, soaking in the story, soaking in the reality of what God did for them, how God delivered and saved them, that is what they forgot. And for all of us to just soak in the reality of what Christ has done for us. I'm going to just ask the praise team to come up. Now I just want to take a moment. You know, if you just want to close your eyes or you just want to just hear this, you don't need to do anything right now. Just listen. Just listen. God loves you and God is for you. God is always with you. The Holy Spirit is with you. You are a child of God. And that has been earned for you, not based on what you have done, but based on what Christ has done for you. Christ went to the cross. He died for your sin. There is therefore no condemnation, as David Beck was talking about last week from Romans 8.1. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You are forgiven. You are a child of God. It's Dunsies. You can rest in that. You can claim that. God loves you. God is for you. God is with you. I don't know what you are facing. And in some ways, I don't need to know because if I know the God who is with me, the God who can conquer armies, the God who has overcome the cross, who has overcome the chasm of sin and death, then I can face anything. I can sleep in the midst of the storm. I can go confidently into whatever future, as uncertain as it may be, because I know God. Precious God, I want to pray for just anyone who is hearing this. And God, I need to hear this myself. I'm not immune. I'm not in a place where I don't need your grace anymore. We never graduate from grace or from the school of, of following in the ways of Christ. We need to do it every day because we want to know you. God, help us to know the joy. God, I pray against any spirit of condemnation. I pray against the spirit of guilt and shame that people might be feeling as they hear a message like this, thinking, ah, oh, shoot, I'm not spending enough time with God and I feel so bad. Guys, it's not about that. It's about the joy. It is about the opportunity. It's about the privilege and the blessing of being able to spend time with you, God, of being able to know you. You have cleared the way. You, you have invited us, God, and I pray, God, that we can see with our spiritual eyes, your smiling face, your invitation. Son, daughter, I want to know you. I want to convene with you. I want to spend time with you. I want to commune with you today that we can take that invitation gladly and with joy. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.